eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's our weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad joins me to discuss plenty of action, including FA Cup, Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, and so much more. We also have a little discussion on the USMNT rosters, Mexico, England as well, and more. Weekend preview, que golazo, begins right now. Hey, everybody. Time is running out to fill your bracket and a chance to win a Nissan Rogue and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. You can compete against our podcast analysts and listeners on the CBS Sports app or just go to cbsports.com forward slash Golasso Brackets. Time is running out. March Madness is right around the corner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kegolasso, our weekend preview, the mammoth, the giant that is the weekend preview. And of course, Jimmy Conrad. What's up, Jimmy? What's up, Luis? Great to see you as always. And I just want to state from the get-go that I feel like teams always want to have good vibes heading into an international break. So we're going to talk about a few games. Uh, obviously heading into this weekend, but every single game is a big game for every single team ahead of this weekend because you don't want to limp into the international break feeling bad about yourself or losing a game. So just know that there's some underlying stakes here, I think, for every single team competing this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the worst thing for a fan when like your team does badly and you're just like, oh, and now international break. It's the absolute worst. So very good point, international break, of course, next week. So this is a massive weekend preview. Uh, but before we do that, and we're going to talk Premier League. We're going to talk FA Cup. We're going to talk Serie A. We're going to talk La Liga and so much more. But before that, you know, we have, you know, hello, a former USMNT star here. Hello. Hi. I want, Hi. I want, uh, uh, you know, just look at his resume. Just, <laughs> it might take you two hours to read his Wikipedia, but it doesn't matter. Uh, just, you know, we have to talk about it. USMNT roster. It's out. It, obviously it's just friendlies, but you know, it, the time it's nearing, Jimmy, you know, the important games are nearing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the, you know, Greg Berhalter has had his time to figure out the identity. I know he's still, you know, figuring things out, tinkering, et cetera, but this is the roster uh, as everybody can see, obviously from, you know, the reports, if you go to cbssports.com, you can see the whole thing, but Jimmy, I wanted your thoughts on the roster and just USMNT as they get ready for Jamaica and Northern Ireland next week. Well, first and foremost, I wish we were playing, I say better opponents. I just feel like Jamaica, due to travel restrictions, are they going to be able to roll out a full team? I know Mikel Antonio, by the way, from West Ham, has committed to Jamaica. So hopefully he plays because I think it'll be a good test for our back line. And I say that because I want these younger players to get tested. Now, if we take out Sebastian Legette, 
plays for the LA Galaxy, and Tim Ream, who plays for Fulham, even though he hasn't seen the field in quite some time. If you take out those two guys, the average age of this team is 21 years, nine months old. And that is awesome. And that pumps me up. And the future is very bright, not only for this World Cup, but for 2026, when these guys should be theoretically heading into their prime. So I'm excited about all these guys, especially from the experience department, getting together. And we could argue, I'm going to I'm going to take that 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 getting together part and extrapolate it a little bit, because I feel like there are a couple players within this group that are having a tough time with their clubs. You have Christian Pulisic, who can't get any real meaningful minutes, even though he did have an assist against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. So that was nice to see. And then you have Gio Reyna, who hasn't really got going for a while, right? Kind of stopped starting, uh, sputtering along a little bit. These guys, when you come back into the national team and have had this experience before, it's so welcoming. You're like, oh, I get to see some familiar faces. And, and you get to commiserate with your these teammates in a way that you can't with your club teammates. Because more often than not, the guys that you commiserate on your club team at some point, if you're not playing, like, they don't want to hear it anymore. They just want to get on with it and play. And, and sometimes the people you're commiserating with on your club team are the ones you're competing against for playing time. So you start to grow inward, right? You're not expressing yourself in the same way. You're maybe not having as much fun because you're frustrated. But you go into your national team and you're like, oh, man, this crap on my club team sucks. And you just kind of go relax, right? And you can get back to having fun and crack jokes. And, 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 and I love that. And I think that's going to be really good and important for a few of these players, namely the ones that I mentioned and any other ones that aren't getting significant playing time. But we're also seeing Brian Reynolds get called in. He's got his first uh, minutes with Roma not too long ago. And, and him getting called into his first senior national team, that's great. So I'm excited about that. Uh, with regard to... Other players I'd like to see. I mean, I'm pretty happy with everybody that got called in. I think there were some that weren't allowed due to some travel restrictions or whatever. So it's, I don't want to get into speculating about that, but some of the older guys, I mean, I don't need to see Tim Ream anymore. You know, I, I know what he brings to the table. I'd rather see Chris Richards get a start. I'd rather see anybody else <laughs> than Tim <laughs> Ream. Uh, frankly, I, I don't, I, I understand you need to have some experience in the squad and you want to have some extensions of the coach, whether they're playing or not to, kind of set the tone and, and what the culture is, right? And make sure that there's some players there that are going to follow through on that. But outside of that, I'm excited, man. The future is very bright. And I know that Greg Berhalter took a lot of heat at the beginning because it took him so long to take the job. And we weren't really playing particularly well, trying to play out of the back against Mexico and New York. I was there. We lost 3-0. Like, what are we even doing? That Zach Steffen, our goalkeeper, has more touches than our number 10, Christian Pulisic, in that game. But I feel like he for better, or for worse, or from his doing or not his doing, he's inherited a hell of a team and the future is incredibly bright. And I think he's going to be judged on whether he can get the most out of these guys or not. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, a few things uh, in terms of uh, Jamaica as a national team, they do have a lot of uh, English based players coming in, but you're, you're Mikhail Antonio's. And I think, I believe, I believe that if this is to happen, it will probably happen in June. I think that the roster right now for them, mm. It's a little bit more uh, from the guys that have already said yes to Jamaica. There's reports, obviously, of Antonio. There's Ivan Tony as well, maybe. You know, so it's going to be interesting. In terms of USMNT, I'm Daryl Dyke. How about that, uh -huh. huh? Uh, you know, killing it here with Barnsley, Crushing. by the way. Fifth in the championship, which is amazing. Uh, the other one I think is exciting is Owen Otazawi from Wolves. Agreed. Uh, so you make a good point. Just, you know, let, let's see these young bloods and let's see what they can do in the US MNT roster. Uh, I tweeted something yesterday, Jimmy, and I, you know, it's funny. Do you, re do you regret it? Where are we going with this? <laughs> no, I don't regret it. I, I stand by it. I've actually sent it to you and I've said it to Heath as well, like a while back. The future 
for the USMNT is undoubtedly bright. It's just ridiculous. The talent is there. You got players playing not just in teams in Europe, but big teams in Europe. It's it's the identity is being created already. You can see a unity. You can see uh, a friendship amongst the squad and everything else. That's all beautiful. But the king of CONCACAF right now is Mexico. Of course. And the USMNT needs to remember it's past. I'm not saying that you should lay everything on this current team now on what's happened in the past. But in terms of right now, this is a blank slate. So my argument was just like, be excited, be optimistic, but also be super aggressive about your objectives because they should all be entering that pitch every single time saying we have not achieved anything yet. Let's see what we can do. And to me, that's the, and it should be seen not as a criticism, but as an objective for everybody. Yeah. A challenge. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that's my whole thing. And obviously you sometimes get, no, the USMNT roster is way more talented than Mexico. It's like, that's not my point. I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about, and you, you preach this more than anybody. What have you achieved yet? What have you done for me lately? And that's what their objective has to be. And that's your point about hoping that you wanted to see perhaps stronger competition in these friendlies coming up, because that's the objective. It's not friendlies is great. You get the identity, you get the cohesion, but you haven't achieved anything. The king of CONCACAF right now is Mexico. So your objective is to dethrone them. And the only way to do that is Gold Cup, Nations League, and of course, World Cup qualifiers. I agree with you about Mexico and with regard to opponents, I also didn't want to throw any shade against Northern Ireland. Uh, I think they're right. a good opponent as well. That, that's not what I was saying. It's just, if we're over in Europe, why can't we schedule the big guys, you know? And I know that they're doing their own Euros preparation and, and uh, woke up qualifying and whatever else is going on for them. And even if they did play or have the opportunity, they might not, you know, Germany might not roll out their A team anyway. But those are the games I really like to see some of our younger players get a test against as we continue to your point, you know, forge this identity under Greg Berhalter. But with regard to Mexico in particular, any time that I felt like my team, whether it was club uh, playing in the, the, the Champions League or, or with um, the national team, anytime we were maybe, I'd say you, sleep, you never sleep on Mexico, right? Or Mexican clubs because they're, they're a rival. But if we took them or too casual, those guys will eat you up. They are so cunning. They, they, they know the game so well. And I don't think that Mexican teams, well, I think they're starting to earn that respect. Obviously, Tigres getting to the, the Club World Cup final is in the step in that, that direction. But MLS teams don't get that respect either. And I think Mexican teams sometimes sleep on MLS. But I think it's for a different reason. I, anytime, I'm always super impressed when we played against Mexican clubs or the Mexican national team and just how savvy they are about the game. And, and sure, we might tick the box in terms of physicality and we might tick the box in terms of whatever it is. But, but they still have something about them that I always loved and appreciated. And it's just this, this understanding uh, of how to win games and how to make the plays that matter in those, those decisive moments. And that's what I want to see for our national team is more of those, those games against opponents that you have to, they've taken away your option A, B and C. Now, what are you going to do? Right. And I, I think when you play against teams that aren't as talented, you know, maybe they take away A, but you have option B pretty easily. Option C is there for you. And, and what's great about our national team is that, you know, maybe in years past, well, I, I say this as being a part of a team years past, but your option A and option B were pretty good, but maybe your C wasn't as strong. And now when we look at the depth of our roster and the talent in our roster, you know, we have A, B, and C are all really good players. So we can get out of a lot of situations, but 
when you play against teams that can take away A, B, and C, what are you going to do then? And, yeah. and I think that's where we are. And that, that just, that's what we need to figure out. You know, and Mexico slapped us around when we tried to play very similar to them. They're like, yeah, we see this every day. We practice this all the time. We got our asses beat. So yeah, that, to your point, Mexico is the, the initial hurdle. We have to do that and show consistency in our region in CONCACAF. And then outside of that, we can start to flex on some other teams as we get more and more confident. Yeah, but, you know, be optimistic, USMNT. Always, always optimistic. I love it. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drunk on the Kool-Aid. But I also, you know, want to want to be practical about how this group should evolve, especially given their youth. Of course. Uh, and by the way, just a very quick update. Efrain Alvarez, right? Uh, the LA uh, born of two Mexican parents. He talked to Greg Berhalter and he's in the Mexican squad because Greg was like, listen, check them out. You've been called up and then, you know, you make your decision. It's a very important, uh, sensitive for him topic, a very precious topic about deciding which to go to. So watch out for that one. That should be interesting. Other announcements in England uh, announced their announcement for the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Jesse Lingard returns to the to the lineup. That's pretty cool. DTL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well, obviously there. Uh, Ollie Watkins. This is why I'm wearing my Vela shirt. Ollie uh, Watkins gets his call up. I am so happy for him. And uh, I thought Konza was absolutely robbed, by the way. Robbed. If you look at the statistics, center backs in the Premier League, I think he leads right now in no center back has done better in terms of anybody going past him. He's such a great player. Uh, I think he was robbed. But other than that, obviously, Harry Kane's in there. Um, you know, uh, Jude Bellingham as well. No Jaden Sancho, I believe, obviously, you know, injured, of course. Jack Grealish as well is just getting better. But that's your England lineup. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, on, um, you know, pretty good to see uh, sort of Gareth Southgate leaning towards uh, playing around with World Cup qualifiers. I mean, the games are not that difficult, right? San Marino is first, I think. Uh, so it's good time to experiment. Yeah, I, I don't have anything really to add here. It, there's a lot of similar themes to the men's national team here in the States where, yeah, you have some opponents, you get an opportunity to see how players play. One of the things that I wanted to mention was it's one thing to play for your club. It's another thing to play for your national team. Hmm. And the young players that are playing for our national team and, and even the young players that are coming in for England can you do it when it matters for your country? It's a whole different level of pressure. It, it, it's, it's a different type of responsibility. And they're different asks. And maybe some of the players that you're used to playing with at, at your club on a, on a daily basis just have different skill sets. We can talk about Messi, right? Goes to ooh, when he's with Barcelona, when he starts, he's got you know, um, Iniesta and Xavi. And, and ugh, that'd be amazing. And so if Xavi and Iniesta played for Argentina, I'm sure they would have won a couple of trophies. But, <laughs> but he goes to Argentina, it's just different. And the pressure's different. And, and Messi doesn't play the same way for his country as he does for his club. And, and that is difficult. So, you know, when I look at Phil Foden in particular, you know, Man City, it's, it's just easier to play for your club than it is for the national team. You get in there and then all of a sudden, as long as you're not making trouble off the field by bringing girls and sneaking girls into your hotel like those guys did. But, you know, as long as they get away from that type of stuff and, and just concentrate on it, yeah, these guys are good as well. I don't know if England's going to win the Euros, but I, I'd give them a shout that they have an opportunity and a chance. And, and the more opportunities to to Gareth Southgate's point of, of kind of broadening the player pool and seeing who could help you. I was a diamond in the rough, right? Nobody ever picked me out and said, oh, that guy's going to be a great national team player. He's going to really, he's going to help us in a World Cup one day. That, that was not the case. I had to kick the door down myself and get people to buy in. And I was a really, really late bloomer. So when I see national team coaches broaden the player pool just to 
give that one player a look, that Ollie Watkins a look just to see, because maybe, maybe he'll play better for the national team than he does for his club. And he's playing pretty well for his club. And I think I fell into that camp where my game elevated when I played for the national team. And in some ways, I'll be honest with you and everybody else listening. I thought it was easier to play for my national team than to play for my club because everybody was so good at their job at the national team level. I could just focus on being really good at my job and not having to worry about putting out fires for three or four different situations on a regular basis with my club that didn't allow me to be awesome at just one thing. Yeah, no, really good point. Really good point. And trust me, as a South American, I can all but relate on uh, players really playing with their heart out when they wear that national jersey is absolutely key. All right. Well, that was our chat. We wanted to begin with that because obviously I think it's important to begin with the USMNT and obviously everything else that's going on around the international break. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we are going full 150 miles an hour on the weekend preview uh, with all your betting tips, analysis, and so much more. Stay right here. Okay, Olaso, we'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Guys, watch the full-length podcast on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Lasso, or you can watch on demand on the CBS Sports app on our OTT devices. Go to the CBS Sports app and scroll down until you see the Lasso familiar faces. Make sure that you check us out on YouTube. You can watch our beautiful faces every single weekday. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Diego Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Weekend Preview. All right, we're getting into it. Everybody, take a seat wherever you are. If you're driving, make sure that you uh, are not driving too fast. You should, you should be putting on another seatbelt because we're bringing you some action. Like, put on two seatbelts, everybody. Buckle up. Let's go. Yeah, if you're on the couch, please sit up because here we <laughs> go. Weekend Preview. We begin. Are you, are you telling me people don't have seatbelts on their couches? That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> I want to see that if that's the case. All right, everybody, we begin in England. Let's go with the uh, FA Cup and Premier League as well. So, Jimmy, I'm going to give you the fixtures for the FA Cup and you go wherever you want. Why don't we do one? one, I can do one of each on these. I'm ready to go on these. All right. Well, I'll give you the first one. Uh, Just just because these two teams have already played or they have nothing going on right now, because as we are taping, of course, Europa League is uh, taking precedent. But uh, let's go with... uh, 
Let's go with the FA Cup here. Everton against Man City. Okay. So on William Hill, the disrespect for Everton is quite real, everybody. Plus 850. Plus 850. They're at home at Goodison Park. And William Hill says plus 850 for Everton to win. The draw is plus 440. City is minus 320. That is some heavy, heavy, heavy slanting in terms of favoritism for the boys in Sky Blue with Man City. But I agree with them, so it's really hard to find value in this one. Everton, God, just they played against City not too long ago. It was 3-1, and City, though that game was in the balance where Charleston scored to make it 1-1, City, as they do, just, just wear you down. And, and eventually their quality shines through because they have so many quality players, even the ones they bring off the bench. could probably start for, I don't know, 99% of teams around the world. So I like City to win. The, the value I found here is Man City to win to nil. So they win and get the, and they get the clean sheet plus 110. And then Man City to win both halves is plus 215. I don't know. The last time they played, it was 1-1 and a half. So I could see Everton having a fight for a little while there. And, and, and Everton, you have to – well, I mean, they're balancing trying to get into the top six, top four, of course. I think more top six of conversation now. This could be that one competition that they could say, oh, we're going to try to win the FA Cup. Dude, you're running, you ran into Manchester City. You got unlucky. You guys are out. So I don't know what Carlo Ancelotti's got up his sleeve, but uh, – it's just so hard to go against Man City right now. And I think people would be like, you guys are idiots if you say Everton are going to win this. But plus 850 is some real value, Luis. Yeah, if you want to gamble, just gamble. I mean, you. you know, <laughs> that's, what it, that's it. That's it. That's really it. The last time they met in the FA Cup, by the way, was 80-81. So, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Take that with what you will. But they know each other, of course, very well from the Premier League. So, all right, let's move on here. Let's go with Bournemouth against Southampton if you have something there. I do. I do. So I'll just give you the lines first. Bournemouth are at home. They're in the championship right now. They're in the second division for everybody that doesn't know that. Vernacular. It's a South Coast derby, by the way. So. It is. Plus 260 for Bournemouth. The Cherries, as they're known, to, to win straight up. The draws plus 250 after 90 minutes. And Southampton plus 104 to win. Now, I have to say, I really like Bournemouth in this one. I'm gonna. They got relegated last season from the, from the top flight. Bournemouth did. They lost their manager, Eddie Howe, the beloved manager, Eddie Howe, after 12 seasons with the club. So everybody was expecting, my, me included, that the Cherries were going to crumble. However, they have fought against all the odds and have made it to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for the first time since the 1956-57 season. That's mind-blowing. And they're currently two points outside of a playoff spot in the championship. For everybody that doesn't know the way the championship works, the top two teams automatically get promoted to the Premier League and the next four play in a playoff. And the winner of those four teams gets promoted as well. It's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. It's that's pretty how Villa got promoted back. That's exactly right. So Southampton, if you guys remember, we were so, we, everybody was like, oh, their manager, Ralph Husenhuddle, he's the best and all that. They are hot trash right now. They've won one in their last seven in all competitions. And that one win was against Sheffield United who are on the bottom of the table. And if you look at the Premier League, they've only won one in their last 12. They don't, um, they don't have uh, Theo Walcott, who's out due to injury. Danny Ings, who's been scoring all their goals or was when they were winning. He's out due to injury. And then uh, Takumi Minamino, who's on loan from Liverpool, can't play in this because he already represented Liverpool in this competition. So I don't, know who the, I don't know who the hell's going to score their goals. I will say on the flip side, Shane Long, who played for Southampton, is on loan to Bournemouth. He's got two goals in four games, and he is ineligible or ineligible because he, uh, he, it's his parent club. He, he's not allowed to play against his parent club. So Bournemouth came off a big-ass win, 3-0 over Swansea, who they're competing with to get into one of, one of these playoff spots. And they, they didn't just beat him. It was like 3-0. It was comprehensive. I'm going with form here. I like Swansea, or excuse me, I like Bournemouth to do the business. I'm going to say 2-1 Bournemouth. 
And and if you throw Bournemouth into a, a parlay with like let's say them and City to win, plus four ninety four. No no no. Sorry, if you had Chelsea to win as well, we'll get into them in a second. But but if you had just just Bournemouth and City to win, it's like plus three. 350 or something on William Hill to get that parlay. I'm I like that a lot, dude. I'm having a parlay party over here with that one. Hopefully we hit our Europa League so we can just let it ride. You know what I'm talking about, Luis? Absolutely. I'm kind of with you on many things here. By the way, Jay Adams has been not too shabby himself. Uh, he might do something for Southampton, but I'm going with a Bournemouth win here because I tell you what, I am I'm drinking the Jonathan Woodgate. Kool-Aid. Remember a few weeks ago, Tieran Ree maybe was going to go to Bournemouth, but no, Jonathan Woodgate took over uh, way before that as interim. They, they hadn't given, it was like an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer kind of situation. They hadn't given him uh, a permanent gig. He now has it and they've been doing well, as you said. And I just think because it's a derby and like, because, you know, the South Coast rivalry and to your point about Minamino not playing is big. Because he's like, he's, he's, he's a super creator here. And Danny Yang's, of course, uh, Theo Walker. So, yeah, why not? Let's roll the dice. I love it. Um, all right, here we go. Let's keep going here. Uh, let's stick with the FA Cup. Chelsea, oh, Sheffield United. Yeah, let's do it. So, Chelsea, heavy favorites, minus 390, even bigger favorites than, than Man City. But at least they're at home in this one. Plus 470 for the draw, plus 1,100 for Sheffield to win. That's not going to happen. We all know that. But Chelsea win, though. This is my big bet here. Chelsea win in under two and a half goals, plus 260, and I'm going to explain why. They had a 2-1 win over Sheffield very early on in Tuchel's reign, like his third game in charge. It was a Rudiger own goal. So, technically, Sheffield didn't even score it. Uh, but that's the only time that three goals have been scored in a game for Chelsea with Tuchel in charge. Chelsea have not scored three goals themselves in any of Tuchel's 13 games. So I like this value a lot of Chelsea winning and under two and a half goals plus 260. And because listen, let's be honest, if they can hold Atletico Madrid, who have some terrific players on their team to zero goals over two legs, a poor Sheffield team who just lost five zero on the weekend shouldn't be a problem. Right. But I maybe just jinx it. Chelsea are going to win this one straight up, but that is really good value. To be honest, Chelsea winning under two and a half goals plus two sixty. I don't think this manager, I don't think this team is going to give up consecutive big, big game, like a, a lot of goals. And, and honestly, Chelsea don't create a lot. And I think this one's going to be tight. Sheffield didn't know this would be the biggest win of their season. They're going to get relegated. So, you know, this is really it for them. This is their super bowl to find a comparison to some American sports, but this is it. This is their world cup final. Yeah, I wonder what it is, Jimmy, if you add Christian Pulisic to score, because I feel like he'll start in this one. You know, uh, it's an well, FA Cup game. They might rotate a little bit. I know that there's an international break right before this, but still, you would think that Duho will be like, all right, boys, uh, let's see what else you got. And Pulisic could start, maybe, no? He, he could. It's hard to find. Oh, actually, let me let me look. You keep talking, because I do I actually do know where on William Hill where I can find that. Well, the only thing that I was going to say about Chelsea is that because they might, Tuchel might rotate a little bit, you could see even more so your call about making this under two and a half goals just because Sheffield United, this is their only thing they can really go for. They're going down. They're, they have no permanent manager right now. Chris Wilder leaving, of course. This is their last okay. hurrah this season. So, so what do you think the final score is going to be? And then I'll tell you. Like, because if you have two zero, basically, if you have one zero, two zero, two one, or three one, I can I can get you a line on Christian Pulisic. Honestly, scoring. I have Sheffield United scoring a goal, so I have it two one to Chelsea. So two one to Chelsea. Your best bet then is Christian Pulisic to score and Chelsea to win two zero, two one, or three one. That gives you a couple options there, plus five fifty. We'll see. There you go. You never know. You never even know. If, even if Pulisic doesn't start, he'll he'll play, and then you know maybe he gets a goal. You never maybe. know. Maybe, maybe. All right, we've got Premier League games as well. Oh, sorry. Leicester City play Man United yeah, in yeah. the FA Cup. But as we're taping, they still... Oh, no, Leicester City's out of the Europa. So it's more yeah, about United. Because United have to play Milan, so... 
Yeah, I do have on this. I think this one is going to go to extra time. It's Leicester City plus 190, plus 255 for the draw, which I like, plus 135 for United to win. Just because Leicester don't have a midweek game, uh, United are obviously traveling to Italy to, to have to go do something that to balance the squad. United actually have shown that they can deal with this adversity and have done it consistently, I would say. But there is something about this Leicester team. This past weekend, they were very good. They, they have lost Harvey Barnes, who's got nine goals and four assists so far in, in the Premier League, and James Madison, eight goals and five assists. Both of those guys are hurt. And they drew 2-2 in the same stadium back in December, if you guys remember. But this past weekend against Sheffield, so take it with a grain of salt, Jamie Vardy, Ilya Nacho, and Iosi Perez combined to incredible effect. Uh, Ilya Nacho had a hat trick, his first ever in the Premier League. There is something about this threesome, the first time that, that Brendan Rodgers has really tried it. And I think they're going to cause United some problems. I really like that, that the way that they move. Vardy can obviously stretch. Ilya Nacho can hold up the ball. And Perez is very good at combining and shooting from distance. So it's like a nice little triangle here. I'm surprised that, that it took Brendan Rodgers this long to, to maybe trust these three. But they're vibing right now, right? And I'm taking that into consideration. So I don't think that Leicester will, will out and out win. But I think it will go a draw after 90 minutes. And then an extra time, it's a coin flip, you know? But I think it'll be tight or it could go to penalties. I don't know. But that's how I'm feeling about that game, no matter what happens against uh, AC Milan for Manchester United. Yeah, no, very good points there. All right, uh, Premier League games as well, by the way, everybody. Uh, very quickly, Fulham play Leeds, Brighton, Newcastle, oh Villa, Dude. Tottenham, West Ham, Arsenal. But I know you have uh, two to focus on specifically. Well, so West Ham, Arsenal, obviously, and, and Aston Villa, Tottenham, they're playing. And, and I just don't want to stand up here and say, hey, you guys should bet this, that, and the other without knowing their lineups. We know that both managers like to tinker a little bit. So those games are interesting, though. I would say West Ham, Arsenal played earlier this season, second week of the season. Arsenal won 2-1. Eddie Nketiah, remember him? He scored the winner really late. Ceballos was the, the, the man of the match that game. And that was very early on, and so much so that we didn't think West Ham would be as good as they are currently. They're in fifth and Arsenal are in 10th. So nobody would have told us that after that game and week two. With regard to Aston Villa Tottenham, when I started doing my research, they haven't even played this season. No, oh, we, wait, haven't, we haven't seen them yet. <laughs> oh, we haven't, what's even happening? So they, they, they play Aston Villa and Tottenham play twice in the next two months. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. So and that, the last, that last time this game happened was we were too old. Remember last season? Mm -hmm. And then in the last second, uh, Angles makes the mistake and Human Sun comes in. So it's, uh, yes, uh, that, that was fun. Anyway, but you wanted to talk more about uh, Fulham Leeds, uh, Brighton, Newcastle. I do because it's really intriguing at the bottom of the table. So you have Fulham taking on Leeds. Fulham are in 18th, everybody, and Leeds are in 12th. So it's less about Leeds per se, even though they found themselves in the bottom half of the table, uh, lost four out of their last six, not in the best run of form, but uh, did get a big draw against Chelsea this past weekend. But then you have Newcastle versus Brighton. Newcastle are in 17th on 28 points. Brighton are in 16th on 29, and Fulham, as I mentioned, are on 26 points. So there is so much at stake for, for these three clubs in particular. Newcastle are without their best front three. Callum Wilson's out. Miguel Miron is out. Alonso Maximin is out. They've lost seven out of their last nine away from home. Steve Bruce is a trash manager anyway. Yeah, I said it. And so Brighton are heavy favorites. Brighton are never heavy favorites. They're the heavy favorites in this one, minus 160. I think Brighton are going to win, but I would throw them into a parlay. It's kind of hard to know otherwise. Fulham leads though. Fulham plus 150. Uh, to win straight up, plus 230 to draw, and plus 185 for Leeds to win straight up. Patrick Bamford did get hurt against Chelsea, but apparently he's back in the team. Uh, Fulham, though, are pretty good uh, at home right now. 
They, they, they've just lost two of their last eight league matches. And so, God, this is such a big opportunity for them to take on a bit of a reeling uh, leads right now. So I could see Fulham getting the win, Newcastle losing, which means that Newcastle would then be in the relegation zone. That's that right. Makes, that makes me sad. So I know these are the teams that aren't sexy, right? Nobody's looking at these teams throughout most of the season and thinking, oh, I can't wait to watch Fulham Leeds or wow, that bright Newcastle's game is going to be a real cracker. But given what's at stake, these games and, and the, the energy and enthusiasm and stress and anxiety around this for the players and the staff and even the fans watching, even though they can't be in the stadium, is going to be next level. So if you're going to turn on any Premier League games this weekend, these, these, these are the reasons why you should watch these two in particular. Well, two things. First of all, the, can you check on me something here? Well, Fulham Leeds. Uh, Fulham Leeds is going to be a golf fest. I have no idea why I think that. I feel like it could be like 3-2, 4-3. I just, I have a, an, an inclination to go there because Fulham need, need stuff. They need to go for it. And Leeds, obviously, is Leeds United. So I'm wondering what it is. If it's like, I don't know, over three goals, over four goals, three and a half. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be goals in this one. By the way, also, the second point I wanted to make was Newcastle-Brighton. If Newcastle, they have a game in hand, fair enough. But, you know, I, you know, when you're Newcastle at this point, it doesn't matter a game in hand or whatever. But if, they, matter. if they draw against Brighton and Fulham win, Newcastle still go in the relegation because of the goal difference. So they got to take points wherever they can get them. So, but I just wanted to quickly ask about the line on that one because I really feel Fulham leads. It's going to be a goal fest. Okay. So who do you think is going to win? <sighs> so the, so the over under is two and a half and the over two and a half is plus 100. I, it's not, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like Fulham's going to win this. Okay. So let me go to that. So you think like three, Fulham, two Fulham, or something. Fulham, Fulham win both teams to score. Yeah. That's plus 350. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. If you wanted to do, let me see. I think it's, if I say, let me just see, just out of curiosity here. I just got to find it. William Hill, there's so many, so many crazy things you can bet. And I'm still bitter that I told you guys to bet Stefan Savage to get a yellow card for Atletico Madrid. Yeah, yeah you're a goddamn straight red. Well, you're never going to get over that one. I'm never going to get over that. Jimmy's going to be gonna like gonna 80 yellow. years old. He's going to be like, I, I savage. <laughs> no, it's not savage's fault. It's the referee's fault. I know, but because you're so old, that's the only thing you're going to be able to say. Like savage. Okay. So if you got Fulham to win and over two and a half goals, that's plus 290. I agree with you. The Leeds is probably going to score. So I'd go with the other one. Fulham to win and both teams to score plus 350. There you go. I, I'm not as convinced as you that Fulham are going to win, but because it's, it's just a feeling, Jimmy. It's just a feeling I have. Well, maybe, maybe I can talk myself into it because I think Fulham can sense that Newcastle are in trouble. And the more that they put pressure on them, the more Newcastle will continue to crumble. I think this is one of these games where I don't think Fulham is going to be, uh, in terms of performance, better than Leeds, but I think they're going to win. Does that make sense? Because Fulham need to take a victory here. Sometimes a better team in a game doesn't win. And I feel that's going to happen. Leeds will probably be going for it. They'll be more organized. I don't know how fit Pat Bamford will be, by the way. I know he might be back, but, you know, it all depends. I think there's going to be goals. Both teams okay. are just too vulnerable defensively. Okay, but let me give you some facts then, see if this sways you at all. Fulham, Fulham have failed to score in seven of their last nine home matches. This doesn't matter. Craven, Craven Cottage. Leeds have failed to score in their last three matches in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. doesn't matter. Everything Leeds, have lost, Leeds have lost their last three away matches. Yeah, see, there you go. That's one for me. Fulham have seen over two and a half goals in their last three matches against Leeds in all competitions. That's another one for me. 
And there have been under two and a half goals scored in Leeds' last three games in the Premier League. Okay, they're all contradictory facts right now, but I'm telling you, I'm just going, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going with my gut. Hold on, one more, one more. Fulham have failed to win 10 of their last 11 home matches in the Premier yeah. League. Momentum. <laughs> Stats are there to be disrupted. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, everybody. I love it. Hey, by the, but listeners, don't put that much money into it. Yeah, we just want just just throw like five or ten bucks. Yeah, right? and then if you win, it does. It changes things. It's, yeah. You know why? Because your pride comes into it. Exactly. Everybody wants to be right, and so even if it's five bucks and you, you hit it, just that feeling of being right is is where the magic is. So don't yeah. you don't have to put out. You don't. It's not about like saying, "Hey, I won a thousand dollars," even though that would be pretty cool. It, it's just I think it's more about being right. So yeah, don't don't uh, dole out too much cheddar. Like my high school coach said to me before I was going to take the winning penalty, just go for it. And, and then I skived it over. But that's another story. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's keep going here. Let's go around Europe. All right. Very quickly, Jimmy. Sadia, what's going on there? So what I find interesting is that Inter Milan has taken on Sassuolo. Inter Milan, obviously, in control of the Scudetto and, and the league title at this point. It's theirs to lose. There's no line on William Hill for this game. And I'm like, what is happening, William Hill? Why are you not giving me action on this game? Do you think Inter's going to win 10-0? What's the deal? So... That one is interesting for me. Uh, also, Fiorentina, AC Milan, very good game. Fiorentina starting to get a little bit closer to relegation chatter. If they continue to drop points, that could be a real scrap for them at the end. There was 11 games left in the season. Milan playing Manchester United, of course. This one's away from home. Milan, the wheels are falling off the truck a little bit. I think they just really need to focus on not the Scudetto anymore, winning the, winning the title, but just can we secure top four status? Mm. That's a tough one for me. Fiorentina, Plus 245 to win straight up. Uh, the draw is 245 and plus 112 for Milan. I kind of like the draw on that. And then you got Roma Napoli. Roma plays against Shakhtar Donetsk today in, in the Europa League. So it's hard to know who Paulo Fonseca is going to roll out. Uh, Mkhitaryan has been, is injured. He's not playing in the Europa League. Will he play on the weekend? I can't really want or want to advise you guys on, on certain lines. I will say that Roma are the favorites, plus 160. They've only lost once at home all season. So that's something to take into consideration. Uh, plus 245 for the draw, and then 165, plus 165 for Napoli to win straight up. No, Napoli Chris, solid. Chris Smalling not being around, like, it's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, there, there's a lot of issues with Roma that I'm not happy with, and I'm glad you brought up Smalling because he's been real key to their success from a defensive perspective. Just just so solid, right? Just makes the plays you expect defenders to make, and you can't say that about everybody. What's really interesting about Roma-Napoli is that they're tied on 50 points in the table for fifth and sixth. Uh, Napoli have a game in hand. And they have a better goal difference. So they're technically in fifth and Roma are in sixth. So this game has a lot riding on it. And the fact that Roma have a 3-0 lead on Shakhtar Donetsk, um, I think they can kind of just do the bare minimum just to get out of that, that second tie and then really try to get everybody geared up. Lazio is four points behind Roma, but they have a game in hand as well. So that could get really squeaky bum time, you know, if Roma can't get a result against Napoli this weekend. And, and uh Lazio head to Udinese. This is a big week for, for Lazio or the next three games for Lazio are really important because they should beat all the teams they're playing against. And, and Roma, they're playing against much harder competition. So we'll see. All right. Well, what do we have in La Liga? Because La Liga is what you really want to talk about. Oh, my God. I'm loving La Liga right now because Atleti are falling off. I mean, Atleti obviously got knocked out by Chelsea. We could argue about. You know, it's one thing I didn't bring up about this Atletico-Chelsea matchup. Atleti had to play leg one away from home, okay? They yeah. had to go to Budapest to, to play. the, the And then the second one can be at Stanford Bridge. It just – that doesn't seem fair to me. 
that that Chelsea had a chance to stay at home, sleep in their normal beds, do all the stuff that they usually do, but that Atleti had to travel for both legs. I think that's a little unfair. Anyway, that aside, I want to see how Atleti respond to crashing out of the Champions League. As I put on the board yesterday, and as we said, I think all week, if Atleti lose in the Champions League, I think that gives them a better chance to win La Liga. Now they have to prove it, right? So they're taking on Alaves. Alaves could be the perfect opponent for them. They, Alaves have only won one in their last 11. They haven't won away since the end of November, but it was against Real Madrid. So take that for what it is. However, the, bat, the last three away games for them, they've given up 12 and only scored three. The problem is who's scoring for this Atleti team? They've only won three out of their last 10 and only scored 10 during that time. So things are starting to really tighten up. And I, I, think, I think they're starting to feel the pressure, Luis. I don't know how you, when you look at Atleti, but I, I can sense them, especially domestically. They're starting to feel the pressure. Oh, 100%. And this is 18th placed Alaves, by the way. Uh, so, you know, the pressure's already gone. They have to do something here. We've already talked about it. I'm, they, just, I'm just saying. But, no, but I'm so the, line that, the, the line on that, minus 275. It lets you heavy favorites at the Wanda Metropolitano, their home stadium. Plus 340 for the draw, plus 1,000 for Alaves to win straight up. I think there's some parlay action here if you guys wanted to look into it, but I didn't get too, too into the weeds. Now, the next one is Celta Vigo versus Real Madrid. Now, Real Madrid surprisingly are the only La Liga team left out of the final eight in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Plus 350 for Celta to win, plus 275 for the draw. Madrid are the favorites, minus 125. However, I do have to say Celta Vigo are on something fierce right now. They've lost just one of their last eight with that sole defeat coming on the road to Valencia. Valencia, yeah, a little uneven, but, but not easy to beat uh, at their place. At home, Celta Vigo have drawn three and won one of their last four La Liga games. Real Madrid are on a nine-game unbeaten streak in all competitions, and I think they're going to get a boost, not only from securing their quarterfinal spot in the Champions League, but also Sergio Ramos is going to be in the team. Got to get him healthy, get him a run of games. Kareem Benzema is absolutely feeling it. So I like Madrid in this one, but if Celta Vigo got a result, given how well they're playing, it's it's Real Madrid's got to be like, oh, great, we're running into Celta Vigo, who are finally finding their feet a little bit and, and getting some confidence. So we'll see, because Madrid have done just enough to, to get results recently. And we'll see, especially against Elche last week, where they needed the 91st minute winner from Kareem Benzema to win that one. Celta Vigo are playing better than Elche and are, and are better than Elche. So if this was a draw, I wouldn't be surprised. Everybody, shout out to Renato Tapia, by the way, Celta Vigo's Peruvian midfielder, the future captain of Peru. Huge game for this one. And Celta Vigo are, they're, you know, they're, they, they tied against Athletic nil-nil before that. It was 4-3 uh, against Huesca. Then they tied Valladolid. They just lost 2-0 uh, to uh, Valencia with a red card there. They can do something here, I feel. It could be interesting. But Real Madrid I mean, on a roll. Yeah, when I look at the... T the the Celta Vigo are on 34 points. They're ahead of Athletic, right? Who won the Spanish Super Cup over Barcelona and are in Copa del Rey finals, both last season and this season. And, and then Levante, who took down Atleti over two games, you know, they have 35. Granada have 36. They're the darlings of the Europa League. Villarreal have four. I mean, they're not too far off. And for as much grief as I think Celta Vigo has gone through, they're starting to kind of find their feet, like I said. So I don't think this is an easy one for Real Madrid, and they need all the points they can get to, to keep pace with everybody else. There's somewhat of an Aston Villa story, like really struggled last season and kind of picking themselves out. A little bit less than Villa because Villa were really out there, but like yeah, they yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like that. Um, but anyway, who does Barcelona have? Dude, they play La Real, Real Sociedad. Woo. This one's tough. Plus 250 for La Real to win at home. Plus 275 for the draw. Plus 100. Plus 100 for Barca to win. I like that because Barcelona have 
haven't lost in the league since mid-December. So for all the grief and all the stuff that's going on. And then Laporta came out, the new president, and said that, that he spoke directly to Messi in his big meeting to everybody and said, you know that I love you. You know that we all love you. And if you, if you have to, I'm paraphrasing, but if you have to go, we understand. But just know we will always love you. I, it was unbelievable. Laporta is the guy. And, and if Messi's going to stay, Laporta is going to be the big reason why. Yeah, well, and he no said it himself. Mind. He no said it himself. He said it himself. And in that speech, he was like, I'm going to do my absolute best to make sure that he stays. But the funniest part was the camera pan to Messi smiling. And you, we're trying to decipher the smile right now, break it down like it was Minority Report. Like, what did it mean, <laughs> et cetera. But uh, no, yes, you make a good point. La Porta, if anybody's going to be able to convince him, it's him. All right, but they're playing La Real Sociedad. And by the it's way, tough. it's tough, man. It's four points differential, right? Because Atleti 63, Barcelona 59. If Barcelona win, right? If Barcelona win, they'll go, uh, <laughs> they'll go, uh, what, 62 points. And if Atleti lose, which they shouldn't lose, but like he said, anything below victories for Atletico Madrid is a major worry. Yes, yes. No, you're right, 100%. I do want to say Real Sociedad and Barcelona played in January. That was in the Copa del Rey, and that went to, to penalties, uh, and Barcelona got through. That's how Barcelona got past Real Sociedad. So over 120 minutes, Sociedad were there, you know? And then when they played against each other in the league back in December at the camp now, that was the same thing. Uh, they hung with them the whole time. When you look at the stats, like Sociedad's there. They lost 2-1, Barcelona won. Frankie de Jong has scored in both of these games, by the way. So I went on William Hill. I'm like, wow, Frankie de Jong, maybe that's just his team. He loves scoring against Real Sociedad. And of course, William Hill won't give you a line on Frankie <laughs> de Jong scoring anytime because they know what I know, and that's yeah. Frankie de Jong scoring again. But William Jose scored uh, for Sociedad. He's no longer with them. He's on loan to Wolves, so take him out of that. Jordi Alba and Frankie de Jong scored. I, I like Real Sociedad. I, I like the way that they play. I don't think they're the same team that they were at the start of the season when they were blowing everybody away. And neither are Barcelona. Since losing to PSG in the first leg, they've been a much better team. So Agreed, agreed. I think this back three that they're, they're, they're tweaking, I just like, they're starting to peak at the right time. They're starting to get some good vibes. I could see Barcelona winning the league, man. I, I really can. And I'm yeah, not saying that because I'm wearing a Barcelona jersey right now. And it, I'm an Atleti supporter, but I also love Iniesta and I have Iniesta on the back. That's why I'm wearing it. I mean, who doesn't love Iniesta? Absolutely. Oh God, what a dream. So, so this one's a little tough. So all three of these games are like, ah, man. So I think it's a parlay you could have here if you wanted to do a La Liga parlay. I don't know what you like there, Luis, and who you think is going to win out of those three. But oh, uh, My heart wants to give something to Celta Vigo because of Tapia, but I'm going with a straight up uh, big team parlay here. Real Madrid, Atleti, and Barcelona all to win. All right. I respect it. Let me, you want me to see what that, that is? What'd you say? All three of them? Yeah. All three of them to win, but. Okay. Give me a second to get that up. Uh, do you think, uh, I, I worry about Atleti though. I, I do worry. I mean, Alaves is not good. Yeah. They're not good. And I think that Simeone will say, listen, we're out of the Champions League, but now this is our objective. Let's go and do it. So I think, and because it's Alaves and not a, a stronger team, with all due respect, they'll get that win. Real Madrid are looking good. You mentioned, of course, that they're the only Spanish team now in the Champions League quarterfinals. So they're going to be good against the Celta Vigo side, who is good, but I don't think good enough to dethrone, especially as Karim Benzema is just scoring when he blinks. The toughest one is Real Sociedad against Barcelona. That's the yeah, toughest. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's tough. 
But yeah, I mean, if you if you go with straight wins, I, I think there's going to be a draw in one of those. I just don't know if it's Celta Vigo, Real Madrid, or Atleti Alaves for whatever reason, because the pressure is just too much for them. Or so see, I mean, I just I think there's a draw in there, but I respect that you go on all three wins. If that hits, all three of the big teams win. That's plus three ninety one. That's not that's not bad bad for a parlay. Hey, if you go with a draw, Celta Vigo, Real Madrid could be a draw. I think maybe you, you know you can throw you can throw it in. You can have both options and win in a draw. Well, there you go. So, so, see what, so, but then that drops to two seventy five. No, hold on. That's all right. Yeah, two seventy. No, no, that's what the draw would be. I want the parlay, dude. What's happening? Oh, they won't let you do it. So the three leg parlays, you have to have wins. Well, just do two. Just do two separates. Just do. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So three ninety one, and then let's do the draw and see how it goes. Because that jumps, could be jumps up to nine twenty three. Wow, that's a big jump, dude. See, there you go. That's even wow. better than Man City wow. losing. <laughs> absolutely no see there you go you have so much options all right listen let's finish this up now mm-hmm. there's a huge game in france league ah we got psg against leon psg in second place with 60 points leon in third place with also 60 points but obviously psg with a better goal difference both trailing lille only by a victory only by three points though so leon against psg big game what do you have yeah, this is a big game. Uh, Lyon is not the favorite. Plus 180 for them to win straight up. Plus 290 for the draw over 90 minutes. Plus 129 for PSG. It's pretty good value. What I have is PSG just beat Lille 3-0 in the Coup de France uh, uh, round of 16. So they're getting into the quarterfinals now. I thought they were no Neymar. Mbappe didn't start. Yep. Moise Ken is now back in the team. That's that's dangerous because he provides just a different look in a lot of different ways. Acardi started the game and came off after 39 minutes because of an injury. I think he's going to be okay, but Mbappe came on, drew a penalty and scored it four minutes later. And then his last goal was ridiculous. 90th minute, you know, uh, Leon is trying to push forward and, and he just crushes them on the counter. It's ridiculous. That guy's so good. So, so when I look at that, I see a lot of things to, to like about PSG in particular, because of what's at stake, because where these two sit in the table, Lille is still the, the league leaders, but these are second and third. The, however, these games have been pretty tight between the two. So, so Lyon beat them earlier in December 1-0 in Paris. Uh, in the Coup de la Ligue, it was 0-0. Lyon also very just hung with them the whole time. These last two games, I think, are really important. That was back in July, so it's been a while there, but, but PSG won in penalties. But that one in December is something to look at. And Memphis Depay leading the lines for Lyon. I just, there's something to like here. I like the draw plus 290. I, I think both teams' consensus is an important one. So I think you and I have seen this where when the big clubs know that this is a really important one, they get a little conservative. They don't want to stretch themselves too thin and of the fear of losing. Because if they lose this one, we could argue, well, that's the three points that other team needed to kind of springboard them to create some distance between them and the table. So uh, plus 290 is not a bad shout, just given how competitive these two teams are. And and that's really the only line I have on it is I really like the draw. But if somebody sat here, was a Lyon fan and could like probably set up, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. And then PSG fan would come in and be like, well, I agree with you, too. You know, it's one of those. So this feels like a bit of a coin flip. You might just want to stay away from it. I don't know how you're feeling about it, Luis. No, I think stay away from it. It's tough because I do like the draw, but Mauricio Pochettino doesn't really go for draws, especially in the league. But Leon could be just as annoying, especially at home. It's very tight. It's very difficult. I, I wouldn't touch this one, to be honest. I just, I, I, I'll stick with the draw. 
I just think from a betting perspective, get away from this one. I don't think it's worth it. I mean, they both dropped points last week. Uh, Lille away from home to Reem and uh, PSG surprisingly lost to Nantes. They were up 1-0 and they ended up losing 2-1. So you can get at these guys and, and you can get at that back line in particular. I just think because of that, I, th- I really believe that Pochettino is going to look at this as a bit of a Champions League type game. It's really interesting. Obviously, they beat Barcelona their week last week. They beat Barcelona. They drew 1-1, right? They got them through. Then they lose to Nantes and now they got... And then they beat Lille. And you're like, dude, which version of PSG is going to show up? So I, I just think they're going to tighten things up defensively. I don't think they're going to allow the space that Lille need to have success. And I think that just lends itself to a draw. I could see a – and it won't be a 0-0. I could see a 1-1 potentially. These, these, teams, these two teams usually play it pretty tight. Yeah, one more caveat to add, by the way. Memphis Depay is out of contract in June. And Leon obviously wants them to stay. But this is just one of these games where Memphis Depay could be like, look, world, look what I can do. Uh, once again, so he's 27. I mean, he's, he's got one more big move in him, I think, before he hits the wrong side of 30. That's what I think. That's what I think. So that's another thing to add. Uh, hey, but that's it. That's our weekend preview. You cannot complain, everybody. We gave you everything. The goods. Everything. Just like Catherine Hans says in uh, Ron Burgundy. Eh, eh thing we gave you everything uh jimmy conrad anything to add before we say goodbye by the way we're coming back to you when the champions league and europa league draw um is uh quarterfinals and the semifinals as well on friday but any final thoughts uh for today no you took the words out of my mouth i'm really excited for that draw because i think it's going to really dictate the future of a lot of the clubs that we talk about pretty regularly this is the best round the quarterfinals because now this is like Creme de la creme. I, I feel like that's what it is. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, Luis. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget, on Twitter, we are on Kegolasso Pod. We are also on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. It helps us to grow the show. We're on cbsports.com and so much more. Have a great, great weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.